0: Welcome to Lawyer's Coach. My name is Oliver Hansard and each episode of this podcast will feature myself or Claire Rayson, both of us coaches and former lawyers, trying to find out what makes lawyers tick. We'll be hearing from various guests and experts and then at the end of each episode we will both be reflecting on what they said. In this episode, Claire Rayson talks to James Lewinden, Head of Legal Resourcing at Conexo, a division of Evershed Sutherland. Claire starts by asking James to talk through his role. I work for
1: Conexo, um, which is uh, Evershed Sutherland's um, alternative legal service provider. Um, and my role is I head up the legal resourcing part um, of that business. So um, that's providing lawyers consultants to clients and to the firm itself but includes project managers and um, paralegals and business analysts um, and I've been working in this role for the last 10 years when we started it back in 2011 when it was called um, Eversheds Agile uh, and now it's uh, Conexo. so um, my role is to Basically, make sure we get the right kind of people coming through to, to work with us, and then um, with the team, place them into to supporting our clients on um, interim um, projects and and um, support.
2: And you mentioned kind of consultants there, and 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 lawyers, and the the series has looked at success and I think consultancy as a model has really kind of challenged that notion of success in firms and I think it used to be that you know you were either a partner or or, uh, and that was success. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah uh, it's been really interesting um, seeing the development of what success or what defines success uh, in law Um, So uh, just a bit of background, I'm not a lawyer. I came into um, working for Evershed Sutherland as a management consultant back in 2011. And um, we looked at, I suppose, the market. Uh, And at that time, still, success was either reaching the top in a private practice law firm or reaching general counsel in an in-house setting, um, which meant there was a huge amount of people who maybe didn't want that foot for themselves, maybe the the inflexibility of those two structures um, or the diversity of of work that um, wasn't there in those two structures meant that there was a huge amount of people that just didn't have mechanisms for them to define what success meant for themselves. Um, And one of the, the pleasing things is over the last nine, 10 years, there's been a real explosion in different models and different ways of working for lawyers to, I suppose, redefine what they deem as success which has really challenged law firms and challenged in-house teams about how they need to be more flexible they need to be have structures in place for taking care of people who have maybe different ambitions than reaching partner or reaching general counsel i can remember when i first joined the law firm you know there was a a narrow cultural perspective about what success meant for a lawyer Um, you know it was that i suppose i grew up watching la law and um, All of those things where it was, you reaching a partner was the, the be all and end all. And I think now lots of different people are working in lots of different ways within the legal profession. It, it's breaking down that perception um, and hopefully giving more people uh, courage to redefine success for themselves.
2: One of the people we spoke to this series was a lawyer called Eloise Skinner. And um, we spoke very much around the idea of this external success and how often that can You know, kind of lead to you feeling very empty, and how she believes that success is thinking about your values and making sure that you're kind of aligned with those. Do you think that the different paths that lawyers are now taking, so consulting is obviously one of those, is is kind of an example of that? Lawyers thinking, well, actually, what do I want to do, and and how can I reshape my career?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of drivers for it. Um, Some of those are um, the values of what. They want to achieve personally, whether that's uh, you know starting a business or you know pursuing other interests, you know archaeology or writing a book or whatever that looks like. Um, but also the values in terms of the kind of organisations that that people want to work for. Um, and within the consultant market, you're you're able to, I suppose, have a bit more freedom about picking and choosing the kind of organisations you want to support, and perhaps taking on non-exec director type roles um, or doing volunteering where I suppose the traditional structures um, a number of years ago didn't allow that kind of freedom. And I think that it, if anything more people speaking about how they are redefining what success looks like for them in terms of the values and acting as role models it gives impetus and you know role models to those who I suppose grew up you know university law school training contract law firm, um, where almost that that perception of success was defined for them, and the more role models who, who speak about redefining success for themselves, um, the more that people may be able to embrace that kind of change, because it is scary, it is kind of scary moving from quite a structured career path to one that is unstructured, that you you need to take more responsibility and, um, and control over. But which gives you more freedom to to pursue and 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 align with the values that you that you hold dear to yourself.
2: We haven't mentioned clients, and you know I think some of the models you know haven't just kind of arisen because of because of lawyer demand. They've arisen because of client demand too. How do you think clients are responding to the change? And do you think it's a welcome change for clients? I
1: mean, I think. Uh, I, clients um, moved quicker than law firms. I think to uh, to embrace that kind of change. Um, I think the because of the way that in house teams were looking to bring in support um, meant that law firms had to adapt really quickly. You know, when we when I suppose when we started back in two thousand eleven, there was us. Uh, Lawyers on Demand and Axiom and and now pretty much every other law firm has got their own kind of model or version and then there is a whole host of other kind of structures where you've got people like Gunner Cook or Carbon Law or um, Keystone. Um, And I think the ways that general counsel or or, or all in-house legal teams have looked to differentiate work and segment work has meant that those segments of work are able to be distributed differently rather than The kind of traditional model of it either gets done in-house by the in-house legal team or it gets thrown over to a private practice law firm there's lots of different ways of doing lots of different legal work and because of that segmentation it's allowed different models and therefore people to be able to work in different ways to to meet those models and meet those um, different in-house client demands Um, so it has been i think client-led which is great because basically if clients stamp their feet and want change law
2: firms follow. I think Connexo's is a good example because it's you know it sits um, as part of Eversheds but outside of Eversheds. What's the reasoning for that?
1: In terms of the history of it when we started it was the first so it, Eversheds Consulting, um, Eversheds Agile, they were fully part of the law firm and we still are. Connexo is still 100% of the law firm it's not a subsidiary it's not a spin-off and when we started it 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 was to give um, a different service to clients who were comfortable in asking the law firm for quite traditional work but were also asking for services that traditional law firms couldn't offer Um, and i think when we renamed and and brought together some of the i suppose project management consulting um, technology People type services that Eversheds Sutherland had under the, the under the one Connecto umbrella. It, it 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 was to I suppose redefine for clients that there are lots of different ways of, of undertaking legal work and and getting work done that was slightly different to what they might perceive of um, a, a, a traditional law firm. Um, so while Eversheds Sutherland still does great work in terms of its you know I suppose the the more defined traditional legal work and clients can also come directly to ever uh, to connect so and say well there's these b- bits of work that i need doing that are slightly different and may need a different approach where, which is where an alternative legal service provider type model might work
2: and it's interesting isn't it because actually if you look at the, the big four it's certainly the the model that they've adopted and you know, I think you'd be hard pushed to call um, PwC an accountancy firm anymore because it just does so much outside, and it'd be interesting to see, you know, whether you know how law responds, and and you know, I suspect it will end up in a similar place.
1: Yeah, that, that's it. that's a really good um, example. You know, I, I think long gone are the days where you looked at Deloitte and went, oh yeah, they're a they're a, they're an audit firm. You mentioning the big four is a really it's a good model of, of of showing disruption in the legal profession, but also it shows that clients are looking for. The kind of suite of services and ways of working that law firms have traditionally traditionally not offered, but are now kind of, I suppose, racing to play catch up.
2: And I guess also, you know, kind of going back to the central theme of success, also then challenges what success looks like in a law firm because it's no longer just the lawyers that are delivering that those solutions it's you know it's um, again thinking about earlier on in the series we we're talking to to sarah hawes who's at, at herbert smith freehills and you know she was saying very much now it's you know kind of legal services and our people which includes um yes the lawyers but also you know the business developers the project managers yes. um and all those other pieces of the puzzle
1: yeah and i think that's you know one of the big growth areas in the legal profession has been non and i hate this term non-lawyer yeah. um i suppose services and i think that the growth in you know specialists in legal technology and legal project management and legal business analysts um, and those who were able to straddle i suppose um i call I, I call them kind of translators what they're able to do is translate the the complex language of law into potentially the complex language of technology and those people who are able to have one foot in both of those areas and translate the different requirements are are really rare and I think those that growth in those people who may not have looked at law as a as a career for themselves or may looked at law as quite barriered to them because it was again you know going back to what we said it was lawyers becoming partners was the the definition of success so there was a almost a a barrier to people thinking they could work in the legal profession whereas now there is a huge demand for people with different skills who will add into the different kind of services that um, we're talking about like project managers and, and working on technology platforms for for legal and clients looking to bring in different skills to to meet all of those different requirements that they're challenged with in terms of you know regulatory change or or um doing legal work differently um, which brings with it, you know, the impact of the the big four and the way that they bring in different specialists for different um, requirements. Um, And I think it helps because what it does mean is that lawyers who can really get into working with the business and they can um, really, I suppose, concentrate on the law and knowing that there are specialists who are uh, better than they are at project management and Excel spreadsheets potentially and um, all of those things that, um, I, I suppose the lawyer what does good look like for a lawyer now it isn't just doing law it, it, it's the, the, I suppose a, a lot more project management type work and a lot more understanding of um, a, a, of the business that um, makes it more interesting but is also quite challenging.
2: And I guess it's that that change between thinking that you can do it all which I know you know I, I used to be a I used to be a lawyer <laughs> um, but you know that challenge from kind of thinking you can do it all to recognizing that actually you know, a big part of my job is project management and actually perhaps what I need as a project manager rather than trying to teach myself the basics of project management to do it myself.
1: Yeah, uh, and I think that the, again, you know, the impact of the big four who who bring in specialists for specialist roles. Um, I think the, the realisation and the pressure from clients to, to get the best person working on the the right kind of work you know there is the right person working on the right kind of work at the right time for the right price Um, and potentially traditionally ten years ago the lawyer it would be expected that lawyers would do the do the lawyering do the project management do the working on through a technology platform which may have just been Excel back ten years ago and it was expected the lawyers would have to do all of that and i think actually now the challenge is for law firms to structure how they support clients um with the right kind of people with the right kind of talent doing doing that right kind of work um and it means that it may be potentially frees up lawyers to work on higher value higher more interesting strategic legal work rather than get getting potentially lost trying to you know find fifth, the 15th tab on on an excel spreadsheet when. There are lots of other people who know how to use that. Those who embrace that, I think, really push on and succeed in where they want to go, I suppose, where they want to achieve. Those who resist it are going to be challenged and left behind, I think.
2: And I wonder how much that also comes down to the pricing because I think, you know, for me, the billable hour is, is you know, the, the root cause of so many um, things that are wrong inside traditional firms. And I wonder whether that sense of, you know traditionally we bill out at you know whatever it is per hour and and you know it's the lawyer that does the billing and everyone else supports us in that process but changing it to thinking about okay well what value are we giving to our clients and how do we price that value and actually how do we deliver that value and that might not just be delivery through lawyers
1: yeah uh, i think the the billable hour is that kind of you could that's a pandora's box that um (laughs) who could spend a long time. I I think it absolutely has its place. Uh, And I think it's not something that is, you know, it's not uh, the worst thing in the world. It's not the kind of the end of the legal profession. You know, there has been lots written about how the billable hour um, should be struck off. It shouldn't be used. Um, Whereas actually, I think it has its place for the right, like I said, for the right kind of work, the right kind of way of billing and and working through that is hourly rates. that is it isn't the right kind of pricing mechanism for different types of work that are being used, you know, using a technology platform for processing thousands of NDAs um, as an example. Well, hourly work hourly rates are not the right kind of mechanism for that. Um, but I think the both law firms and clients have a responsibility for changing and working together on what kind of work is the right work to be priced in the right way it's not for clients to say i want this done differently it's for law firms and, and clients to work collaboratively saying okay this is the work that needs to be done what is the best way of doing it is it hourly rate work for the law firm is it you know, bringing consultants in to support you on either flexible hourly rate or day rate or whatever that looks like? Or is it a fixed fee because it's you know, high volume and we can guarantee X number of contracts per year or whatever that looks like? That change in pricing structures has been positive because it gets law firms and clients talking to each other more about what they actually both want to achieve. And clients recognizing that you know law firms do need to make money and law firms recognising that clients need to show and demonstrate value to the business.
2: What do you think that this year will have done for for the future? Do you think that lawyers and, and you know traditional firms in particular will be looking at their models again and thinking about what next?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the two things that we've seen grow significantly quickly, um, the first has been the challenge of location and the fact that it isn't a challenge anymore um even within client teams there was that perception of i need someone sat at a desk or work you know someone sat in an office five days a week or four days a week um, which meant that the, those client teams may only be able to get the right kind of people to support them who were living or were able to travel to, to that location well see if you take location out of the equation which um, the current circumstances has done because everyone is now working remotely. What it means is that clients are able to access a much more varied and diverse talent pool of people who may be much more suited to what they're looking for. What we've seen is a real challenge from clients saying, I need the right kind of skills, I don't care where they are, and I don't care um, what country they're in, as long as they can support me and my business then that's the most important thing, which has been brilliant because it's, it's meant that people who may have, I suppose, defined success for themselves in living in a certain country or living in a place that may have actually meant that success for them cut off a portion of access to work that um, they accepted because that was part of what they wanted for themselves, now find that they are able to offer services and offer work and because of the fact that everyone's now working remotely Uh, and then secondly clients are looking much more flexibly in terms of the kind of support they need for their in-house teams um whereas i suppose they there was a it got into a process of someone a client say i need someone five days a week to sit in the office and and do this work what they realize is that they for some work it might be i need someone for 15 hours a week it's not work that i want to send out to to private practice law firm it's kind of in-house work but i can't guarantee what the levels of um work are going to be like um, so it might be 15 hours one week it might be 10 the next so what that's given growth to is, is again there's a great talent pool of people out there who want to work in that really ad hoc kind of flexible way and i suppose work the work work around what what else they're doing and this way of working gives them access to that that growth in clients demand, asking for that because of the you know the, the situation that we're in means, I think, for the future, it's it's incredibly exciting for people to, again, redefine what success looks like for, for themselves.
2: And which firms do you think are going to be best placed to leverage that?
1: Those who are able to embrace change quickly are those who are going to be set up for success in the future because even this time last year ways of working are completely different to what they were last year and they will be again next year i think the pace of the change over the last 18 18 months and what the next 18 months will be like i don't know i don't know that i'm ever going to sit back and go right great i'm now in the new normal i can take i can have a breather for uh, for 10 minutes because i just don't think that's going to happen
2: james i think that's that's a really nice place to to end the conversation and and um it's just fascinating to see what's happening and and you know when we look back in you know I think even a year's time we'll, we'll be surprised at where we are um thank you ever so much for for talking to me and um I wish you every continued success
1: thank you uh, I, and just to say I think you know platforms like this and the way you you know you're brought you're giving people success stories and it's it's great because it just reinforces that there are lots of different ways for for people in the legal profession to work and the more role models and case studies people hear the more confidence it gives them so so thank you and thank you for
0: having me. So that was Claire and talking to James Lewinden. Claire there was so much there what what stood out for you during that conversation?
2: Yeah I mean I think what really stuck out for me was the way that clients and professionals are working together to redefine what success looks like and also what legal service delivery looks like.
0: Yeah he seemed to to, to think that the more agile legal services businesses were the better chance they had of success as organisations and perhaps success for the individuals as well.
2: Yeah and I think you know what's interesting is where we ended that conversation which is agility is going to be really important looking to the future um, and thinking about where people are located now doesn't seem as important as it did, you know, a year ago. Um, and it will really be interesting to see what that means for the talent pool, what that means for for legal services in general.
0: I also like the point he made about there being an explosion in what success could look like
2: for individuals. Yeah, and I think that's really been a theme across this series, hasn't it? That I think, you know, the the up and out or or up and partner roots of the past, uh, you know, all that are just that things of the past. And I think there's much more scope these days for people to define their own careers and define what success looks like for them as an individual. Um, and, and firms are responding to that. So it's, you know, be interesting to see where that goes, you know, whether the boundaries are pushed even further.
0: Well, particularly as the industry seems to be under so much change, it's, it's almost like there's both a top down structural change that's that's forcing all those opportunities, and also the demands of the individuals as well that, you know, they want to, as I think James put it, they want to define their own terms of success.
2: And I think, you know, what's encouraging there is that, you know, it, it's clearly matching with what clients want, because I think, you know, expanding out the different paths that individuals can take has provided different offerings for clients and uh, you know there's a lot of talk with James around segmentation and around firms now being able to divide up the work that they've got and, and make sure that they've got the best fit for each individual piece of work um, so it's encouraging to see that you know it's working for clients too.
0: So that's the end of series two Claire what really jumped out at you during the series?
2: So the highlight for me I think was speaking to Eloise Skinner in episode 3. I think she really defined success well for me. She wasn't talking about the sorts of success that I think most people when they think of success think of external success. They think of, you know, doing well in your A levels, getting a first at university. But for her success was being true to your values. And I think in all the coaching work that i do that really comes through i think when people work and are aligned with what their values are they're so much more um successful or or happy and i just think um she really hit the nail on the head for me how about you oliver
0: i just love the 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 wide range of of different experiences and and different routes that all our contributors had gone through uh, in their in their legal careers, Susan Lamb in episode four, for example, having a fantastic career at Shell and and being so passionate not just about the practice of the law, but but in terms of in terms of how lawyers are treated. And then there was James Lewinden, who we've just heard from, who is, is not a lawyer by training and yet is able to have a fascinating career in the legal industry. So that's it. That's the end of series two. Claire, it's been absolutely fantastic working with you and doing the second series of the Lawyer's Coach podcast we've just got to work out now what Series 3 is going to look like
2: yeah thanks Oliver I've really enjoyed it
1: Lawyer's Coach is brought to you by Client Talk and Hansard Coaching if you're enjoying this series please rate us on your podcast provider so that others can find us if you're a lawyer and would like to take part in Lawyer's Coach please visit our website lawyercoach.co.uk for further details and you can also join the conversation on our linkedin group lawyers coach if there are any topics you'd like to hear us discuss then just get in touch